The Ringer Gambling Show is here to help you place your bets on the biggest sports around the world. Join NFL analyst Warren Sharp on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. Each week, they'll cover everything from spreads, game totals, and parlays to player props, futures, post-game reactions, and more. Check out The Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Bono! What's going on this Tuesday? You had a fun time last night, I'm sure. NBA overall. Wow. What a weird night. That was a fun time. Unbelievable night. Yeah, let's go through <laughs> them kind of one by one. Let's start with the Bulls. Because as I am checking the scoreboard at the game I am at, that was one that I was keenly aware of, simply because as we have talked about the Bulls, as the season has gone on, they have continued to prove that this works, this collection of talent that they have put together works. And even when we said, okay, competition hasn't been that great, let's see. And we had looked at their next week or two. And this was one of the games. The Brooklyn game. All right. Well, like, this is still the beginning of the season, but what are they going to look like when they play against the Brooklyns of the world? And that felt like more than just a regular win, at least to me, simply because of the margin and the way that they were able to perform against that Brooklyn team last night. Going back and uh, – scanning through it this morning, I just, I got to tell you, Kip, I am shocked at how fast it has come together. It's not, you know, there was always a question of, is it going to work? But even if it's going to work, it, there's always growing pains to throwing together a new collection of talent. And yet they have been so good, so quickly have the Chicago Bulls that, you know, the longer this sample goes, the more it becomes, you know, very real 
that this is going to be a team to be trifled with throughout the season and maybe even as a playoff basketball team. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think with this team, you could look at their two losses back-to-back with the home-and-home against Philadelphia. They were 6-for-21 from three in the first one, 7-for-29 from three in the second one. Both close games. You know, maybe you shoot that ball be- shoot the ball better from three. Uh, you win one of them. You split against Philly. But overall, at 7-3 and three after 10 games, um, beating some of the tough teams that they have and playing in, in the manner that they have. Because here's the thing, Chris. What was the big question with Chicago before the season? It wasn't offense. It wasn't can this team score? Right. Can they shoot? Can DeRozan score? Can Levine score? It wasn't that. It was defense. Yep. Can this team get stops? Can they contain teams from attacking the basket, getting to the rim? Can they stop teams you know, inside with their collection of bigs that they have, with their help defenders? And the answer so far has been yes. They have the fourth uh, defensive rating in the NBA. Warriors are first. Nuggets are second. Clippers are third. Bulls are fourth in defensive rating so far this NBA season. And it's just like overall from Alex Caruso, who's – in my opinion, like if you're doing all defensive teams after 10 games, Caruso's on one of those two teams. Lonzo Ball's been unbelievable. Some of these guys who you know have reputations as you know poor or below average defenders have done a good job, whether it's Vucevic, whether it's Levine, I mean, whether it's DeRozan for that matter. Collectively, the Bulls are playing great team defense. They're playing together and you know, it's really that's what's been fueling so many of their victories, mm-hmm. not their offense, yep. which is crazy to say. But I mean, you really got to give credit to just this overall unit of like star players buying in, playing together, and playing hard. Well, and you got to keep in mind on the Philly front, I know that they've got a different set of circumstances now, but they had the best record going into yesterday. Um, And now they're going to have to live without Embiid for a while. But so when your two losses are to the best team, you know, outside of the one you took at the beginning of the year, but those those Philly losses, I mean, look, everybody else is losing to Philly too for the most part. So no kidding, right? So that Chicago team, you know, you know, even you can go back, even with uh, with Wade, LeBron, and Bosh. There's growing pains, right? It got to December, and it's like, hey, is this going to work? I mean, usually this takes time when you are throwing together a new collection of talent, and I think it speaks to those players, uh, where they are in their careers, and their willingness to to sacrifice, right? In order to – Absolutely. You know, and and they're guys that obviously Lonzo – probably starving to win as he's never won um you know uh DeRozan once he left Toronto did not do a lot of winning in his he time got in lost San, Antonio. In San Antonio yeah Dude, he got lost there and he that's got right. better in San Antonio right <laughs> just nobody was watching him that's right <laughs> and so now you know maybe maybe you just get the right the right guys at the right time to throw together and like, also, I mean, think about they lose Patrick Williams, yep. And then Javante Green steps into that starting role. Spent two years in Boston. This is the second year in Chicago. Kind of like a besides the fact that the J dot Green. Yep. So is that Jeff Green? Is that your Michael Green? No, it's Javante Green. I mean, like he's a player, kind of an unknown player to most casual fans, but he's been really solid on both ends of the floor for the Chicago Bulls. Never mind Dosunmu. Their rookie guard coming off the bench. He's had some big nights, including last night against Brooklyn. He had six, 
15 points on 6 of 10 shooting, always plays hard on defense. He rebounds for a guard. He makes the right play as a rookie. Yep. So, like, this Bulls team, they just have so many options up and down uh, the roster on offense, on defense, guys who are reliable defensively, guys who can get a bucket for you offensively. But, Chris, I, I watching last night's game, like Caruso's stat line, only five points, one of four, nothing special. You know, he, he only has two steals. You have to watch the game. You do. You got to watch the games. Like, you, you do. Gotta, he makes so many plays beyond the box score. Like, it's just absurd. Uh, like, this week on the, the Void, we're doing a video every day, and I was working on the Caruso one last night. And it's just like there's certain plays that he makes where he just doesn't get credit for a steal or deflection because it's just the the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. But it's like he's what causes a turnover to happen. He's what causes a play to get flubbed up because he's in the right position at the right time. The way he navigates through screens, like he is a winning player. He's, he's, a, he's winning a winning player. player. He, he is. He he's is. a winning player. He's magnificent on defense. Truly, yep. him and Lonzo like a guard slash wing for them. I mean, what a combination! It, it, like it's so distracting disruptive to the offense it's so disruptive your normal actions that you run become much harder to do because of those two guys i was thinking about a a common refrain from many gms years ago uh i would hear them say when i was talking to them about teams and i would say well but is that gonna fit together is that gonna fit together and and most will tell you get the talent and then figure it out you know, and if there was ever a get the talent and figure it out situation, they don't all work. But this is one of those that can be held up as a get the talent and figure it out. Because guess what the hardest mm-hmm. thing to get is? The hardest thing to get is talent. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have better <laughs> players than you across the board, right? And, and, and then you can worry about how it all fits, but get the best players that you can get. And so while they were criticized for going and signing DeRozan to the contract that they did, um, while they were criticized for, you know, is the Vucevic, you know, it's a, it's a trade, but is the Vucevic-Levine, is that really a fit? You know, like there were, there were things that were, you didn't know if it's all going to work, but I – I hearken back to that old phrase, which was just get the talent and then figure it out. And then if it doesn't work, guess what? You've got talent that you can turn into something that will fit. But get the talent and then figure it out. And I'll be damned. They got the talent and have figured it out quickly. Um, They've been a a really good story that – you know, they they forced us to talk about them a lot. Now, let's flip to the other side, though. The hell with yes, Bro- please. Bro- I mean, Durant is, like, playing, like, the best player in the world. Yeah, he, he might be the MVP. It's like him, him and Steph are probably one, two, in, in whatever order you want to put them at the moment. But what we would have not predicted is that this would be, like, an old, like, when Russell Westbrook was out, Kevin Durant and four other guys. And that's yeah, really kind of what it's turned into, right? What what we're now eleven games in with Harden now, Chris. Eighteen point three points per game, thirty nine point nine percent from the field, forty percent from three. He's racking up assists, you know, still passing the hell out of the ball, uh, but the scoring just hasn't been there for him still. And then, by the way, still through eleven games, four point six free throw attempts per game, down from seven point three last year, down from seven point five the year before, down from. I'm sorry. 
down from 7.4 last season, down from 11.8 the year before that. I mean, and you've got to take into consideration, Kev, if I'm not mistaken, he led the NBA in assists last year. He yes. was the assist leader. Yep, he was. In, Averaged near, nearly 11 last year. So in terms of, you know, just playmaking and like just, all right, maybe even even in the games he didn't score, you would look up and he would, I mean, he's always going to score, but you would still see just kind of, I dominate the ball and I, I run the show and it's not, it's not the same. Anybody that has watched him, um, he is, he is not the same player. And I know that there's been so much made of the rule changes and that is certainly part of it. There's no way around it. When you, when your game is dictated on drawing fouls and intentionally, playing basketball with the intent of drawing a foul rather than the intent of making a shot you take away a lot of, you take away a lot of what a guy does you really do i mean the the whole abruptly stopping as you turn the corner on a screen and just throwing it up the throw my both my arms up in the air as i drive to the basket you know there's no intention to make the basket on yeah. those, I mean, like all of those plays, this is how he functioned. And it's all different, but I am surprised that there's been this big of a dip in terms of just how impactful you could be on the floor, even if you're not going to the line, even if you're not making the shots in the same way. You figure he could still be very impactful as a playmaker and a guy just kind of running the show. Sure. I mean, he, I mean, his passing still is is great. Uh, it's just you know the way it's impacting the game isn't the same level as it was in the past. I thought Josh Eberly had a good tweet yesterday. He said the Nets so far this season have a minus five point three net rating when Durant and Harden share the floor. When Durant is on the floor without Harden, they outscore teams by twenty eight point. Four what points per 100 possessions so they're yeah their net rating is is plus 28 when durant is on without Harden, minus five when they're both on the floor which there's a lot of factors small sample size the fact that when both of them are on the floor they're typically going against starters whereas when just durant is on the floor it might be more bench or mixed that's units. still a shocking but, but number. regardless i know it's a 33 you know point difference and, I mean, it's just fascinating to see that number because watching games, you kind of sense that. But seeing the number, like, really makes you pop. You know, it's like, whoa, whoa. I, I don't I, – I am still at a point, Chris, where I am in a wait-and-see mode with Harden. I still am. I still think with any of these star players, there's going to be an adjustment period to these new rules because this is different. The game does feel different. It's more aggressive. It's tougher. We're not seeing as much of that BS. Like It is different. It feels different. It feels better for what it's worth. It definitely feels better. So for any of these star players, I'm still giving it like at least until the quarter, true quarter mark of the season to see what's actually happening. Because with Harden here, he's only had one game with more than 10 free throw attempts. Just one. It, it, it's kind of crazy. Like, like for This season, he's had four. Four, one, three, three, nineteen, three, one, four, six, three, 
free throw attempts. He's only had one quote unquote hey, normal hey, Kev, Harden game. Not much was made. Not I don't think. Well, I don't want to say not much, but well, yeah, not much. Not much was made of him not signing the extension. That wasn't mm. a massive story. You do wonder if this continues. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you you are trying to maximize KD, and we still have no inclination of whether we're going to watch Kyrie Irving play basketball or not. So, no. for what it's worth, Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York, did say that he doesn't plan on changing the vaccine mandate rule. Wow, or that there are no plans for that to change. So, so. you do wonder is this is this where uh, you know Daryl sweeps in and tries to get his guy i don't know <laughs> i don't think so i'm saying if it continues no no that's not happening you don't you think there's they, no they, way they're not they're not going to trade james harden brooklyn's not gonna it, without an extension they're not going to trade him you really don't think so no they're going to keep him and he's probably going to stay i'll tell you this you let this go 10 or 20 more games and they're not that good, you, you know, and it's you know not working that well with Durant, and Durant's getting mad at him. I, man. You, you know what would be the ultimate heel turn? He goes to the Knicks. Oh, good grief. That would be the ultimate heel turn. <laughs> and, then, and, then plays gra- and, then, and then plays great. Yeah. And starts, yeah, get, yeah, and, yeah, hey, yeah. And starts getting calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, next offseason, he signs with the Knicks. That would be <laughs> the ultimate heel turn. If any of these guys, Kyrie, no. Harden, or like whatever Katie's deal is up oh in you know, four or five years, if any of those guys <laughs> went to New York, <laughs> I don't know. It would be look. hilarious. Can you imagine that if Harden went to the next next off season? All I know, is, <laughs> I, I, all I know is this: if the, I'm again, I'm not saying now. I'm saying if this were to continue, and the numbers remain the same, where it's for whatever reason not great. In tandem, then you can certainly – you're at the point right now where you have got to maximize this guy who is probably the best player in the league as it stands yeah. right now. And so – He is right now. If, right yeah. now he is. And so, and so if that's not happening, I know you say they won't trade the guy, but if it's not happening and it's not working, you know, to the point where you think, like, this is – good enough to win a title and we get to you know january you better believe it'll be a thing 100 percent, it'll be a thing now speaking of maximizing yeah, but harden's his guy chris he's his guy they wanted him yeah well you're he wanted him well i think he was probably his guy when he was a guy that could get you 30 and, and also i don't think it's i don't think it's so horrible that I mean, look, it's not like he's not creating shots from three. He's shooting 41% on three-pointers off the dribble. He's still, like, getting buckets from the perimeter. It's just about figuring out yeah, but why, why, the but, mid-range look. floater layup range. Yeah, but, I mean, look, this is when I know that a guy's not having that good of a year, when you have to get super specific on the type of shot that he's shooting well. Yeah, but but can I, like... He's shooting 41% I mean in three-pointers off listen, the dribble. Listen, like, Chris, who gives this a is, shit? This what is what matter? I mean. This is what I mean by the adjustment period. What if what if for James Harden the adjustment is like instead of okay, maybe at some point he realizes I can't get all the way to the basket and draw fouls the way I did before. I can't be as efficient as I once was before getting into the paint, drawing fouls, putting up floaters, layups, whatever, and he starts taking more pull-up twos. 
Like, what if he becomes the type of guy who's taking more pull-up twos because he's a knockdown shooter off the dribble? He starts integrating more of that into his game like many, 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 many other star scorers do across the league. I mean, the mid-range has not disappeared for stars. Maybe Harden's key is to do a little bit less in the paint and do a little bit more for mid-range. I'm just throwing that thought out there that that's a potential adjustment for him because I think Harden is still so good that like it, it would be foolish to give up on him and, and assume that he's done or whatever. Nobody's assuming he's James done. Harden. I'm talking about no, no, maximizing no. Durant. That's what I'm yeah, talking I still, about. I still, I still think Harden can be that guy. I do. I believe in Harden. That, that I'm firmly, I'm firmly on that side. I still believe in James Harden that he can figure it out. Um, I still firmly am in that bucket. He's a below the rim finisher that made his whole life by drawing fouls, not by making shots necessarily. Yeah. And and you, you're gonna have to get if you want him to do mid range, you got to get rid of like eight years of Daryl programming <laughs> to, you know, to, you know, not, to not here, take that shot. Here's the here's the funny thing though, Chris, about Harden. There, I'm gonna try to pull up the stats from cleaning the glass as I'm talking here. But with Harden, he was a mid-range guy he was not a mid-range guy even before houston mm-hmm. like he he was more of a mid-range guy than he was in houston but according to the numbers here okay so just to pull it up in oklahoma city his rookie year 24 percent of his shots came from mid-range his first year his last year in okc 19 percent. his first year in houston 31 percent. his final full season in houston was down to 20 percent of total mid-range shot attempts that includes short ones like floaters and runners and pull-ups from two just to speakly talk about longer mid-range jumpers his last season in houston was two percent so he never took long mid-range jump shots his final season in okc was nine percent so he didn't take many mid-range pull-up twos his even in okc it was nine percent his last season So he's always kind of been that guy, but maybe ramping it up a little bit more back to that, you know, 10 to 20% range from long mid range would be better for him. It has been alarming thus far, uh, his performance. Now we, I talked about maximizing Durant right now while he's in this mode where he's probably the best player in the league. And you see, speaking of maximizing that guy, it's the pivot that the warriors made this offseason um, by saying basically and, and it, it started to happen last year really when Wiseman went out which was the all right we're not in the years down the road serving two masters be good now but also develop guys for the future they went out and got guys that know how to play basketball that know how to play around Steph Curry and then they've got some new contributors. Gary Payton has been a revelation for most. Um, but they went out and they got guys that know how to play and that know how to play within that system and know how to play around Steph. They don't have to worry about guys screwing it up. They don't have to worry about guys knowing what the you know how to play. Um, they went and got veteran guys because, you understand, the window is now. Right, like we 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 tried the whole let's we can be young and have Steph Curry, but now they went out and got some veterans. They're playing those veterans that know how to play around Draymond and Curry, and you know you get spot minutes if you're Kaminga, you get spot minutes if you're Moody. Inevitably, 
Wiseman, you know, you're not going to be playing as much because you're trying to maximize what you've got right now in Curry. And you see like the best of last night where, of course, he's got 50 points in 35 minutes. And, you know, look, they're already playing fantastic basketball and you're going to get back Clay Thompson. And so this was in my opinion, a team that was just going to try to hold down the fort until they get back. But the truth is, they went out and got guys that know how to play, and it has reaped incredible benefits for them. Curry is at a level that is just, I mean, he's hes truly unstoppable in a night like last night. Chris, there's, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Like Steph Curry in last night's game, there's no defense you can play. Box and one, about the only thing you could do, force the ball out of his hands. But then you get an open three-point shooter. You got my guy Otto Porter. You got <laughs> Jordan Poole out there. You got Bielitsa. I mean, you have a, a knockdown shooter who would get the ball if you're going to do that. But if you're playing straight up normal defense, nothing you can do about Steph Curry. I mean, I, I feel like last year some of the criticism that I, I, I had for Steve Kerr, like run more high pick and roll with Wiseman. A lot of people felt that way. And I think a lot of that was grounded in truth. But ultimately, Steve Kerr, despite having a roster that maybe wasn't a perfect fit, stuck with the fundamentals of what made Golden State what it was in the first place. With the movement, with all the screening, with all the motion. And now some of the tweaks to the roster that Bob Myers and that front office made, they found talent that fits the system rather than fitting the system right. to the talent. And they have empowered Steph Curry to shoot more than ever. They're riding Steph. But all these pieces just fit together so, 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 so well. A bunch of high IQ guys. I mean, it, it just feels to me like the Warriors are back to that 14-15, 15-16 mode where it's just pure joy watching them play. It's pure joy. Yeah, they're, they've been fantastic and – We'll only get better when they add Clay Thompson to the mix. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. We were talking about Harden earlier. The rule changes have clearly affected the best player on the Hawks. And that was Trey Young. Yeah. Um, and that Hawks team, we talked about this on Friday. And I said, you know, you go from the... You go from the hunter to the hunted. They had that success. They made it all the way to the Easter Conference Finals last year, and then they come back around, and you only get to go through one season where you're the team on the schedule that everybody just chalks up as a win or a team that they can just turn it up in the second half against you. And, mm. and, and, and that's even if you just get pretty good much less if you make it all the way to the level that they did last year. And so now every team every every team that comes to town in Atlanta and every time they go play on the road, people know 
Like they are a team to be reckoned with, and it is just not going their way. They this is this is stumbling out of the gates to make an Easter Conference Finals, and you figure come back healthy, come back together, and to to start off four and seven to start the year is actually kind of surprising. And I believe you mentioned this last week, but the only teams they've beaten were Dallas on opening night, Detroit, New Orleans, Washington. Right. That's it. Their losses are to Cleveland, who's been tough, re- yep. really, really solid. Washington, who's been good. Philly, Brooklyn, Utah, Phoenix, Golden State. And in some of these games against those good teams, they've just gotten smoked. Yep. They've gotten beaten up. Um, I mean, like, where's your concern level for Atlanta right now? Like, from, like, 1 to 10. I- 1 being not very concerned, 10 being you know, pressing the panic button. I would say, I mean, it's probably six. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. I'd say I'm like maybe yeah. above average. Yeah, you know, yeah. 6.97, yeah. something like that. Nice. Um, A little, I mean, a, a, a little. It, it's a little concerned. I'm not down the middle where it's like I'm convinced, ah, they could get it back together. I'm I'm more on the side of, Yo, what's going on here? And part of what's going on here is not just the we had success and so now this is what it's like to be a good team in the NBA and the level of competition that you get um, every single night. The other thing, the big thing is the Trey thing. And it's like, okay, how do I function in this new NBA because this is it, it has affected James and it has affected Trey the most. And, and you know, I'm more worried about Trey because Harden is an elite shooter. Yep. Trey Young is not. Mm. Trey Young is not an elite shooter. He has never been an elite shooter going back to high school. He's a very good shooter, a good shooter, yep. you know, but not elite. Um, and, and that's like the big difference between him and some of these other guys, right? Like, I think Harden can be even more of a shooter if he needs to be Trey has never been like an elite in efficiency from three point range from mid range for that matter either. So with Atlanta, I think part of it is part of it is like, they've had a lot number of early season injuries. Maybe like Trey talked about last week, they need to get up for these regular season games. Whereas last year they got a taste of the playoffs. They get to adjust to that. It's probably a lot of different factors, but also one of the reasons why I'm a little bit more concerned, Chris is because of what's out of their control. And that's the performance of other teams in the Eastern Conference. I think you look at the teams above them in the standings. I mean, Philly, Miami. Miami's for real. Like, they're for real, for real. Mm -hmm. Chicago, I don't think Washington's going to slip. They look really deep and strong to me. Cleveland's uncompetitive. Brooklyn should get better if Harden gets better. The Knicks, the Raptors are ahead of them. They've been very tough defensively. Their offense is clunky, but I'm a believer in their defense. Milwaukee's four and six. That's not going to stick. They're going to get better at some point. Charlotte, five and seven. We'll see. I mean, but for Atlanta, point being here is that there are at least six or seven teams ahead of them where I'm like, I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. I'm a believer in what they are. Or like with Milwaukee, there's just some early season. Well, you know, and if post championship, you know, uh, drought happening now. But. For Atlanta, they're suddenly kind of in that play-in conversation, not maybe top four seed conversation. Well, and you, it, it, I think there is a license that has been given to defenders of those players that did not previously exist. Then they they won't 
they're never going to talk about that, right? Because they're not they're not going to talk about how it has affected them in any kind of way other than the officiating. But if I am an opposing player and I am much less concerned about them driving because they're both below the rim guys. If typically their drives are ending in fouls and that's what you're most concerned about. You're not concerned about them finishing over you. You're concerned about fouling them or bumping them. And on even like outside of when they're coming off of screens and they were doing the abrupt stop that would make you run over them. Like the the airspace now that you can have while they're shooting is different. If you're not as worried about getting a foul called on you every single time and because they're they're not looking for as much you fouling as they are them trying to draw a foul on you. It's almost like the onus has been put on them as the offensive player. And are they getting a fair whistle? I would say, I mean, across the board, probably no. But they are the shining examples. They also, nobody's going to be crying for them because they were also the benefactor of the opposite way, right? (laughs) So if you want to cry about not getting calls now, bro, you got every call for the last nine years. So I do think that there has been a license given to defenders on those guys, and that would be my level of concern for both of them is because now I can defend you aggressively and not worry about you know the, the whistle every time. Because that is how, I mean, look, every time you played against Houston, your coach in the walkthrough that day, and I had been, I have been privy to those, would, I mean, there would be a tutorial on keeping <laughs> your hands out of the cookie jar, as they say, yeah. because this is what this guy is a master at. There would be a tutorial on coming around the screen or how we're going to defend this um, so that you don't catch that foul where he can just throw it up at the end. And so I do think that there there's a level of intensity that now was reserved only for probably the best defenders in the league. Now guys can have some level of confidence defending them without feeling like they're going to get the whistle blown on them at the drop of a hat. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I still think Atlanta can be better over the course of the season, um, but there was talk about them. Can they get a top four seed? I I don't That's I don't tough. feel That's tough. I, I don't feel great about that with the way we've seen some of these other teams develop and I mentioned Miami in there seven and three obviously they lost last night um, want to talk yeah about we that may game? have buried the lead because look yeah. we had <laughs> Bulls uh, look we we don't want to act like this was the least significant because it was probably the most significant thing that happened but you had the Bulls beating the Nets in the fashion that they did you had Steph's fifty. And then you also have, which the game is not that big of a story, even though it was a very impressive win for Denver. Definitely. But you have at the end of the game, which, and, and this needs to be talked about more because for whatever reason, in the everybody sees a clip on Twitter. For those that were not watching it live, everybody sees the clip on Twitter with no real context to what's going on all right really chris no context yeah right on 
Twitter. So here is really the, uh, are you serious? And I think I think that <laughs> that's a thing. But the reason I think that it's important in this one <laughs> is because it does um, to me explain better why this took place. And the, what took place, Chris? And the, for the listeners. Okay, so Denver is kicking the crap out of them. Yep. It was a one one thirteen ninety six victory for Denver. Yeah, but they're up. I mean, this is you know this is in the fourth quarter, and they're killing them then, right? Yeah. And so now, in the middle of the game, as Jokic is coming across half court, you have thirty nine left in the game. Two thirty nine, and they're up by what seventeen? It was one eleven ninety four at the time. Okay, seventeen points. So they're up by is that right? Yeah, yeah. So they're up by seventeen. Up by seventeen. With less than three minutes to go. Okay, and this is just straight goon stuff with Morris forearm shivering or whatever you want to call it, elbowing uh, Jokic. I mean, it's Open a... Open floor. Look. It's a take, take foul, right? Yo, it's a 17-point game with two minutes to go. That's how this kind of stuff happens. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Right. Like, the only thing you're trying to do is send a message or be physical or hurt the guy or whatever you want to do. Jokic, I mean, look, you're not supposed to. When you get a cheap shot, you probably shouldn't administer a cheap shot. But make no mistake, they were both cheap shots. The original sin is Morris's because what are you doing, you know, know, doing that to a guy – when you're down by 17 with two minutes left to go, you're just being frustrated yourself. And then Jokic's retaliation as I wish, I think I would be more, um, I think I would be more furious about the Jokic thing. If I didn't think that he would do it, if the guy was turned around, like, I don't think Patrick Beverly would have run up and pushed Chris Paul. If Chris Paul wasn't turned around. Yeah. I do think Jokic, I, I think it just it happened that Morris has turned around. And, of course, Morris has gone on Twitter and said, wait till the guy's turned around. Like, I, I honestly think that Nikola Jokic would have gone after Morris, turned around, turned towards him. Like, I don't think that he's the guy that I, – I, 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 I question whether Patrick Beverly would have gone and shoved Chris Paul from behind if he was facing him. And I don't want to play – Two different sides of this because I criticize Patrick Beverly for doing it. It is a cheap shot. There's no way around it. Um, but you know he got he got cheap shotted, and then that's what he did. And then you have Jimmy Butler screaming, "Meet me outside." You have evidently <laughs> the Heat trying to go back to their, I guess, their locker room or something. But a, but a, but a big, you know, tall, white, balding man yeah. walked the hallway. Yes. That was it. Couldn't get by him. Can't get past them. Can't get past them. Now these teams Good photo opportunity. Though. These teams do play again in three weeks. <laughs> that was a beautiful photo. For anybody who haven't oh, seen it, you got you see you see the back of like that big, tall, yes. balding white security guard, and then you see all the Heat players in the back are kind of looking through the yep. <laughs> door. Do you, yeah, <laughs> it's a great picture. You're, you're not a you're not a, you're not a wrestling guy, right? <laughs> So he looks like I'm not, from no. the back. It looks like it's Paul Heyman to me. The guy who's okay. he's the uh, 
He's the he was like Brock Lesnar's uh, manager in WWE. It looks like that's who's guarding the door. Paul Heyman. T- uh, when I when I saw that picture. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. This looks like, <laughs> it does. It does look like that's what it behind. looks like. Maybe it was. Maybe him. Paul Heyman. Uh, yeah, they're like, is that Paul Hammond? <laughs> That's what they were actually looking at. <laughs> is that Paul Hammond? So is Brock hit Brock Lesnar here? Well, that'd have been awesome. But yeah, anyway, so this this Nuggets heat thing, Chris. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it when Morris hit Jokic hard, open floor, right in the side, if Jokic just flopped and flailed on the ground, Morris would have been the one to get a flagrant or a technical or something. Yeah, like and, and, and everybody would have thought my God, that Morris what are you was doing? the dirty player. Yeah. Well, if Morris was the if if that happened, but it didn't happen. Jokic took the hit, and he did something that he shouldn't do. No, he shouldn't have done what he did. He loaded up with his forearm shiver to Morris with his back turned. It was a dirty, 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 dirty no moment for Jokic, and he himself admitted after the game, "I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that." And he shouldn't have. It was a it was a moment we've seen Jokic over the years get heated sometimes with the officials at other guys. He loses his cool. He lost his cool maybe more than ever in that moment last night with Morris, and understandably so because what Morris did was also a cheap shot to him in the open floor. Like he could have hurt Jokic in that way, and he also could have gotten a flagrant had Jokic flopped to the ground. Uh, thankfully, it seems like Morris is okay. They at one point pulled out the stretcher for precautionary reasons, and he's walked right off immediately afterwards. Um, the other thing is I mean, he's, the, sure he's the MVP of the league. Yeah, the MVP of the you league. I mean? I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, supportive of cheap shots um, because I'm not. What I am supportive of is aggressive play, though. And I like seeing intensity this year overall in the NBA. I like the intensity. I, I can't yeah. lie about And I'll that. say not, this. Not, and not, not, not that this play was representative of the type of intensity that you want to see, but I like the fact that we're getting intensity during what is sometimes a boring regular season. Well, and that Seriously, was... Seriously. I like that. I appreciate, I appreciate when guys are bought in. Well, the last time that we have talked about this regarding the, you know, there was that Pat Bev, Chris Paul thing. I mean, look. Nobody hit Pep- Patrick Beverly either. He was just getting his ass beat. He was just mad. He was just mad. Yeah, got his ass kicked. He was just mad that he was losing. And so he ran up and shoved a guy from behind. Yeah. That was that was, that was barking at him. Right? At yeah, least that, that 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 was dirty. At least Jokic got dirty. hit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he got hit and you can see his retaliation, though it is not what you should be doing. But this led to all better things. You have Jimmy Butler talking about you know, come outside, come outside. Then you get, for sure, everybody debating Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic and people taking sides and people deciding who uh, who they think would win a fight between the guys and whatever else. Look, who would you take? I'm saying, I'm let me let me let me tell you this: neither of those two guys are to be trifled with. No, no, definitely not. No, and, and not not their brothers either. And this, <laughs> I would tell you, it's so funny because everybody brings up the Jokic brothers. I can't speak for Jokic. I know he's huge. I know he's tough. Those Jokic brothers are scary. I don't I, look. I'm rather confident that the older brothers have probably been in a scuffle or two, or twenty or a thousand in their lives. They look like, uh, again, just from looking at them and then reading some of the stories, they look like some rough dudes now, right? So on the other hand, if we're just talking about like fighting is a different deal, man, 
And I'll bet you Jimmy Butler's been in his share of real fist fights. I don't know how many fights Jokic has been in. People could say, well, he look at his brothers and look at where, you know, he's from uh, a war-torn country. And I also, you know, he was also chubby dr- drinking six liters of Coke a day. You know what I mean? Like, Jimmy, I guarantee you, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler has, 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 has fought some guys that – you you wouldn't in a million years. I mean, you would be petrified of these All right. guys. Chris, did you just did, on Twitter this morning, Marcus Morris, brother of Marquise, yes. Markeith Morris. Just to make this clear, Markeith Morris is the one who got pushed last right. night by Jokic. Marcus Morris tweeted 11 hours ago at time of recording, waited till bro turned his back, shake my head, noted. And the Jokic brothers made a Twitter account. This was confirmed by Mike Singer of the Denver Post okay. that at Jokic Brothers was created on Twitter this morning. They responded to that Marcus Morris tweet saying, you should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you, Jokic Brothers. And so they made <laughs> they made an account just to respond to Marcus Morris. So the, the Jokic Brothers responded to the Morris twin brother, all right. I think this should be another celebrity death match. Well, like, didn't we just get that thing? What, <laughs> what was that crazy-ass thing? Forget so Yeah, what was that thing I read earlier this week? It was like, uh, who is Darren Williams going to fight? Did you Frank see? Frank Gore. Who? Frank Gore. Yeah. Frank Gore. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, what the hell? Yeah. It's like on the Jake Paul card or something. I, I'm taking Frank Gore in that fight for what it's worth. There's, Frank Gore's tough, dude. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Yes. No, I mean, nothing Nothing against Darren Williams. The one thing I will say is this, though, Chris. Frank Orr's only five foot nine. Five foot nine. Darren Williams is 6'3". That four-inch height difference, I'm sure there's a long wingspan difference as well. Not that we're any experts here with fighting, but length does make a difference and height. So for Frank Gore here... This is um, a no. I agree with you. Tough. It's a that's going to be tough. This is a huge mistake for Darren Williams. <laughs> a huge mistake. I, I I mean I think despite the size difference, Frank Gore. Uh, yeah. What was it like? Twenty years in the NFL. Yes. How, how many How many years did he play? Yes. I mean, he, I, I think he, last year he was in the NFL for goodness sakes. Yeah, he was last year with the Jets. Yeah, last year. I mean, the crazy the crazy thing is this: sixteen years, sixteen years. Wow. I will one hundred percent pay for to watch the Jokic brothers fight. Yes. The Morris get, brothers. No, no, I'm saying I'll watch the Jokic brothers fight anybody. Fight each other. And again, watch that too. <laughs> it, this is all I need. This is all it said, though. Like every time that the. Are you, are you going to pay to watch Darren Williams and Frank Gore fight and Jake Paul and, and the Fury brother? Are you going to pay for that? 100%. Really? Yeah, I would you're, not you're miss so, that. Okay. Yes, I would not miss for, that for the Paul Fury fight. Yes, I will. Are you, are, I will watch how it. How come? I'm like, what, what is, I'm curious because. I find I'm it fascinated amusing. by it. Yes, I, I find it amusing too. It's I really good do. entertainment. It is. That's I it. Agree. I like the entertainment. <laughs> I agree. It's good entertainment. I laugh. <laughs> I but I I, I laugh about it. It's fun. The announcing. Yes. Like they have celebrity announcers. It's great entertainment. It's entertaining. I, I know. I know. Like there are probably a lot of boxing or you know fight enthusiasts that are like this is ruining the sport. What if it's what if it's like actually helping the sport because you're creating new fans. 
Yeah, of it. it's fun to watch. And then, and then, and then you watch easy. real fighters. I don't care about watch real. Fighters. I don't care about all that. You know, it's hurting or it's helping. All I know is, it, if it's on, it entertains me. It's I, fun. I, I get entertained by yeah. the thing, and I want to. I, I want to see it. I get. I get a kick out of watching I get those a kick Paul out brothers of it. in the ring. Yeah. it's so funny. But look, <laughs> here's what I know: people were like, the weird thing about the Jokic thing, like, yo, leave Jokic's brothers out of the deal, and now his brothers are there on Twitter and whatever. It was just odd. Like as soon as Jokic got into it, and people were like. Oh, you don't want any problem with Jokic. Have you seen his brothers? Like, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like, why has everybody got to bring up his brothers? It's not like... Because his brothers are scary. That's why. I get it. But that's not Jokic. Jokic ain't got, you know... Tats head to those, those, toe. And, those, yeah, they look. They those, look. Those guys have been involved in rough. incidents from from the sidelines with Booker just a couple I'm months with ago. You. Those guys screaming and yelling at Devin Booker. Those guys and Jay Crowder. Those guys are rough, but they're not like I don't know why they have to get included in this. Like, hmm. like you know what I'm saying? Like, fine if you want to include the brothers. <laughs> yes, I would not mess with those dudes. But it's like Dude, I don't know the, the, the video of them. Yelling at the Suns players <laughs> back in June. Unbelievable. Yeah, oh, crazy. no. Those guys are not to be messed with. Make, no, let me make that not. clear. Stay away. Right? But Nikola, <laughs> but when. They're like both seven footers. But, but when you are debating. The the little brother that they obviously picked on, I'm not saying he's not tough. I'm just saying, you know, Nikola Jokic, we don't know. I, I don't know how many. My, my my gut tells me Nikola Jokic has been in his share of fights. That's what my gut says. I don't know this for sure, but I, I bet you when he was a kid, he used to brawl. I think those guys beat the shit out of each other yeah. and that he was probably the baby. That's my guess. That yes, honey, that yes. The big, big, big honey was the baby. Yeah, that they picked on, right? I mean, he's their little brother, but they didn't beat the crap out of him in the same way that they beat the crap out of each other because they're more peers. Right? He was probably the, you know, he was the golden child, I would imagine. You know? You don't want to beat him up. Yeah. He's been awesome at basketball since he was, what, probably 12 or 13, they knew? Like, this guy's special? Well, you ain't, I mean. You ain't out there whooping his ass. Yeah. Those other two guys, who knows? They've been, they've been flanking him forever, right? They've been flanking Jokic for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mess with them. That, that, that would be a but yes. pretty good Wait. celebrity death match. Well, but yeah, the, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what else there is. Just like, about, yeah, let the Morris know, brothers the, the just retire so we can yeah. get that on the Jake Paul uh, whatever. Maybe someday. We on might. the card. No, well, let's get it. Five, 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 ten years from now, you know. Let's get it, on the, it. Let's get it on the Frank Gore, Darren Williams card. Could, yeah, that, that could be fun. Much more. I would much rather I, I watch. Think, I think. I think tag team wrestling would be better than just like an actual boxing match. All right, let me be honest. But, I, le- but you know, I would yeah, legit wrestling. I would much rather watch the Morris brothers fight than play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys could probably fight. Yes. They could fight. Yes. Yes. I don't think either of them are shrinking violets. <laughs> they, they, they could be heavyweights. Yes. If they really trained fully boxing, they could be heavyweights. Yeah. I don't think so they're more Morris Fury. Sets Morris Tyson Fury underneath Paul Fury. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assists. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. 
USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. A couple other things to hit real quick. Lakers sneaking one out against the Hornets. I mean, the reinvention of Carmelo Anthony as this it's beautiful. Dead, it really is. Dead eye three point shooter. Um, you know, we've talked about in the past guys that are able to extend their careers for an amount of time by reinventing themselves. They're no longer the man. They're no longer the go-to guy necessarily. And yet they can still help a team in a, in a huge way and adapt to being what amounts to, you know, a, a, a super role player. And that is kind of exactly what Mello has fallen into. And he has now, unbelievably become this guy that when the ball swings to him, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, lights out. Like, he is a truly outstanding shooter now. There's nothing I respect more than guys who reinvent themselves in the the, uh, twilight years of their career. Mm -hmm. Seriously. I mean, like, you go from a Hall of Fame talent, all-star every single year, all-NBA, and then you become, you know, Kyle Korver. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool. Um, it really hey, is. Hey, imagine I mean, this, Kev. Imagine that we're this far into the season. You know, whatever. It's probably like an eighth of the way into the season, yeah. and I could and I could say, in all seriousness, where would the Lakers be without Carmelo? <laughs> like, really? Where would they be? He has saved them <laughs> up to this point in the season. Truly, he's been that good and that essential. And I don't know if we necessarily expected that, you know, when they when they added him to the squad uh, in this offseason. Um, let's touch on the Embiid thing. Got COVID. It's going to be out at least 10 days, they're saying. Um, Philly's going to have a tough deal here. No Simmons, clearly. No Embiid. Um, and then you have this story come out yesterday, which, of course, gets aggregated and becomes a headline everywhere, um, as is the case with any kind of you know rumor that comes out. But uh, Sham Sharania puts out that there's been talks or chatter with Boston and Philly, uh, and then he floats out a Ben Simmons-Jalen Brown. Saying slot. that Philly would require Jalen Brown. Yes. Not that Boston would give Jalen Brown. Mark Murphy, a great longtime Boston writer, followed up saying that Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons would not happen. Uh, That came out very, very quickly. It's fair to assume that that likely comes from the Celtics. Of course it does. Um, Well, uh, I I don't see any chance of a Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons deal either. I I don't know why that was floated out there from Shams. To drive up Um, the Ben Simmons price? What are you talking about? What? 
I mean, it's it's as obvious as can be. What? Why to drive up the best? So like you're saying he did it for Philly, for Maury, and all that. I mean, that's the way all these stories work. You never know what the intention is on. I mean, come on. We can we can all say with any story, it's just the news, and that's the news as it is. Like you're, everybody gives you different stuff. And yeah, but what what I'm saying is, it's like he wrote the words that he wrote were. Talks have been fluid with no traction as of yet, these, those sources say. Any potential Simmons deal with the Celtics would have to include all-star forward Jalen Brown. And so that's from the Philly side, of course. But like, I, I think the way in which social media reacted to it doesn't necessarily fit what he has in there. In there. He's saying Philly would demand Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. which Boston is not going to give Jalen Brown. Right. So like I'm, I'm I think I looked at it when I originally read it was that he's just saying this is another example of Philadelphia having a sky high demand for Ben Simmons, but teams aren't willing to meet that yet, and in all likelihood Boston wouldn't be willing to be do that at, at any point. They Boston would want to give up like Marcus Smart another salary and draft picks. Bro, That's what you, Boston bro, would want to give. You know what you're doing when you include the other dude's name in there. You know you're what you're you're driving interest to your story. You know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Everybody's going to be like Ben Simmons for Jalen Brown. It doesn't matter. Yeah, most people you're are driving interest to the story. Most people aren't even reading the shit. Most people don't. Even yeah, they're just seeing. They're just seeing the tweet. And they're yes. like Ben Simmons for Jalen Brown, and then they debate that. Whether it matters, yeah. right? The second that you put those uh, two names in there, and if you're Boston, that's why they immediately call a writer, get this news out there, because the last thing you want is Jalen Brown, who's about to undergo a one to two week rehab or whatever he's going through, feeling like they're talking about trading him. They want to get yeah. it out there quick. Well, yo, we're not talking about trading you. Right? We're talking about trading Marcus Smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not and by, talking. And by the way, but by the way, another reason why that name, you know, today makes sense to include, because that's the only salary besides Tatum or Horford that would realistically be available. Like Marcus Smart is not eligible to be traded yet because right. of the extension he signed during the offseason. So for Boston, like there's just no deal to be made right now. Those talks have been fluid or whatever, but there's been no traction because there's no traction to be had right now. And in all likelihood, Boston's just not a good fit. For Ben Simmons, you deal. Lo- uh, you I mean, know, I, I think I, to me, I think you put that name in there as to say, "Here's the price of doing business," right? Like that—that's the kind of return that we want to get. We want to get some kind of player like a Jalen Brown if we're moving Ben Simmons. That's the cost of doing business on this. And the shrapnel is, you know, Boston has to go to their guy. And say, I mean, you could do this with any team, Kevin. You could say it hasn't gained any traction. And you could go and screw somebody else. Like you could say, uh, oh, Ben Simmons? Uh, you know, uh, if if Ben Simmons is getting moved to the Memphis Grizzlies, the cost is going to be John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And then, like, those guys... Now the team has to go to those guys and be like, yo, we have never even talked to their ass about trading you to them. Like, that's ridiculous. And that's exactly what Boston had to do yesterday. Guaranteed with Jalen. And you could say that shit doesn't affect guys. It does. Because even if you tell them that, there's a twinge of them in the back of their mind. They're going, it is a business. They might have talked to them about moving me for him. They might have. I don't know. These guys might be lying to me. 
You know what I'm saying? Like they, I've seen them. Yeah. I've seen them trade other guys out of nowhere. Mm. I've and not, and not say anything. And so it's like, I don't know, man. That's not if they have not spoken to each other specifically about that deal. I don't think that's fair to Boston. I don't think that's fair to Jalen Brown. And I say that as someone who has covered guys that have been involved in trade rumors, and I've watched it affect them in a negative way because all of a sudden that that trust, which is always tenuous, is broken. It is. You can do that with any player in the league. Yeah. Seriously. If they haven't had real conversations about a deal – for Ben Simmons, for Jalen Brown, that to me, that's not right, man. Because you could do that. You could say the cost of doing business for Ben Simmons is, and then name the awesome player on any team. I mean, this is the the tough part here with social media because you're talk. We're talking specifically about the report by Shams itself. But then there's also the aggregate accounts yeah. that pick stuff up and tweet it up. But there's also the fake aggregate accounts. Because right. yesterday on social media, there was a, uh, a Twitter account that was imitating at NBA Central with a name at NBA Central with an F instead of a T. And it got thousands of retweets with a fake thing saying that Shams reported that Daryl Morey asked for Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and a first oh my God. for Ben Simmons and Danny Green. The Celtics hung out without saying any words, and that was fabricated. That's a- it was 100% untrue. Like that, that wasn't in the Shams report, but it was tweeted by an account that looked like another aggregate account. It got thousands of retweets, mm. and tons of people are going to believe that now to be true. <laughs> and it, it's just as I, I don't I, like this is the way social media is nowadays is like one thing is said I don't think what Shams wrote was actually that bad maybe it could have used a little bit more elaboration you know to say like Philly asked for this there's nothing there maybe it could have been you know cha- written a little bit better in that sense to clarify things but things still get picked up on social media spread around turn into something else that it's not and that's what infects the player in the way that you're talking about. Um, is it the responsibility of the reporter not to put that name in there? If they do know that Philly asked for Jalen Brown, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a difficult thing. It, it's tough because it is a business and information is information. Um, but I, I'm not, I, I don't think there's any solution here in terms of uh, news you're putting out there. I think it's just like you gotta be if careful. That's a, but you it, if out. you've got that news though, then you say they rebuffed it. That's what I, you say. Yeah, I, I think I think Sham should have put that in. Yeah, there. they yeah. rebuffed it. If that's the truth, now if they if, if the they truth, engaged yes. in it and said, eh, you know, all right, yeah, what we'll could talk. yeah, what could yeah. we do here? Then that's a different deal. But if yeah. they just said, you know, he said, hey, you want Ben Simmons? How about Jalen Brown? And they said, go to hell. Like that, that needs to be in there. And that's yeah. obviously what Boston wants you to believe. And I, I'll, I, mean, I, I actually believe that's true. I don't think you give I up be, a twenty-five true. plus point per game two-way player. Like that's not the, that's not yeah. the cost of doing I, business I, to get Ben Simmons right now. Exactly. To get an all all star uh, that averages twenty-five a game. You know. I thought uh, our our big boss Bill Simmons had had the tweet that explained it best. Bill tweeted out, "Hey Daryl, it's Brad. Hey." What's going on with that guy who quit on your team and now does the bare minimum and completely torpedoed his trade value? Any interest in discussing a deal? We'd want Jalen Brown. Okay. 
I'm hanging up. Have a great rest of the day. <laughs> That's probably actually how the conversation right. went. Yes. That's probably how it actually went. You ain't giving up Jalen Brown to get Ben Simmons now. No, you're, Jalen Brown is a better player than Ben Simmons right now. All right. And, he, and like, forget about better player on the court. He has far more value than yep. Ben Simmons I, right now. I went to, uh, I went to Grizzlies T-Wolves last night. Down, I think, two with um, two minutes left to go. John Morant drives and dunks on everybody and then comes down and hits a three. Um, the game ends up going. Superstar. Go- but they were. Look, it was a. The Grizzlies ended that before Towns hit a crazy half court banked three to send oh, the game dude, to overtime. That was crazy. That was a 20 to four run to end mm. the game. And I'm going to tell you something, Kevin. Uh, Minnesota turns into a. My turn, your turn, ISO team. And they just... It was bad. They don't play together. They don't. It was bad, They've got three individual talents in Russell, Edwards, and Towns, but it's like they don't do it as a collective. It really is a lot of my turn, your turn stuff um, that goes on. And, of course, they also, when the runs, you know, when there's this tidal wave that the Grizzlies are on to end that game, you know, one of my buddies turned to me and he said, who, you always talk about this, Chris, who's the guy that's going in that huddle and saying this shit ain't happening? Like, they don't have it. They don't have that guy. There's no leader, you know, and you can... And, s- and it needs to come from a star. It can't always be Patrick Beverly. Right. No, no, yeah. for goodness sakes, no. Not, especially not when he's, you know, got track marks on his back. Um they just, I don't know, man. Like, I i feel so bad for Timberwolves fans. I really do. Because I watched that last night, and you know I have covered a lot of teams that are like 20-win, 30-win teams over the course of the years. I know that feeling, which is even when you're excited and you're up by 13 with four minutes left to go, your team mm. could still lose because they just suck. You know what I mean? You've seen it happen and too many just, times before. Yeah, and it's until until you build a real culture and get a real structure, and here's hoping for those fans that new ownership can turn the corner on that, you know. But it's like you've got these good players, but here's going to be another season where you're not a playoff team. You're not, you know. Yeah. And I, it's, um, it's going to be tough to find the solutions too. Yeah, tough to find. Uh, not only, not only, not only do you need internal development, you got to make some moves too. Yep. And that offense was just, just absolutely disgusting, just uh, gross, hideous to watch last night. I mean, I think a lot of the times you can credit the defense and say, oh yeah, they made things difficult for the offense, and to an extent, you could say that about Memphis down the stretch, but primarily watching that game last night, it was Minnesota just shooting itself in the foot. That was some horrible, just bad offense truly every possession i it felt like every possession there was no movement no Nothing. ball movement iso it was horrible and let me it let me tell you like ryan let, ryan saunders was still coaching the team let me let me tell you something <laughs> and 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 uh brought my broadcast partner maybe it's the players not the coaches Look, chris maybe uh, it's the players brevin knight lost his absolute mind last night as a broadcaster, but not because he's a Grizzlies broadcaster, but he is just a basketball fan. And we ran the clip over and over again on our postgame show. So at the end of the game, 
I mean, this is like a one possession game. The 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 T Wolves have a chance to win the game. Actually, there was a block that there was a goaltend that was overturned. Now they're tipping it off. It's a jump ball at midcourt. Jaron Jackson hits the ball out of bounds. So now it's side out, right? Minnesota's got the ball. Two guys run to D'Angelo Russell, right? And so now they're bracketing him. There's two guys guarding him. Kevin, you can go back. Anybody can go back and watch this. And I've never seen this either. There are three guys for the Timberwolves. They are all standing on the complete other side of the court. None of them ever moved. They never moved. This is to win the game. Five-second call. No guy moved. In fact, if you watch the replay, you never see them in the picture. You have D'Angelo Russell trying to break free with two guys guarding him and three guys that never moved, ever. And there's a five-second call, and they lose the ball. And, of course, they end up losing the game. It's just like, what is this? What is this? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like... For for a while, it's like you're talking about as if you're a Wolves fan. Oh yeah, we'll change the coach from Ryan Saunders to Finch, and in some ways it did help. But the fourth quarter offense has not been totally resolved there, and, and that that makes me feel like this is a player's problem, not a coaching problem. It's a player's. problem. They got three individual really good players. There's no question about that. And that Edwards, seeing him in person is something different because his. Si- his first step and explosiveness at his size is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable how fast he is. His first step, when he wants to get to the basket, and he is strong as an ox, he is a special talent, man. What was the mistake? I still think Edwards and Towns can work. I do. I think Edwards, his development uh, on the defensive end of the floor, some of the little subtle things he's doing on offense, the chemistry, him and Towns have developed some good two, two-man two game chemistry with dribble handoff, pick and roll actions. I like the way they play together. The mistake was probably D'Lo. That Golden State deal, the mistake was D'Lo. Is a solution getting Ben Simmons? Is that a solution? Or does it not resolve the underlying issue that you're talking about, Chris, yeah. about who's the guy that goes into that huddle and says, this is enough. We're done. Uh, We're done. I'm, we got to turn it up here. Like They still wouldn't have that leader unless Edwards were to become that guy. He's still only 20 years old. He himself has said in post-game press conferences, I got to be the guy who's talking. Already a 20-year-old in his second year is talking about how he's going to be the leader. Is the is it a two solution? I think thing it's here? always going to be getting Ben Simmons and Edwards growing into. A I leader. think it's all, does that resolve? I think it's going to be very hard for Edwards to be the guy for that to be Edwards's team until Towns moves on. So that, why though? Because Towns why? is the elder statesman. Towns is the guy that I'm, they've I'm, been promoting. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just curious. No, he's the uh, because okay. he's the elder statesman. He's the guy they've been promoting. He's the guy on the billboards. He's the guy with the jerseys. He's the he's been the guy for so long. Can't can't he can't he be all that, but also just not be the vocal leader? I mean, I don't think that they, they tried that, and they brought in Jimmy Butler, and that worked out famously. Also, I, I still think Towns should shoot more. I, I still th- I think Towns should be averaging 30 points a game. 
I think Towns is too dynamic of a scorer to be only be shooting 16 times per game. He played. I think Towns is half, so remarkable half, offensively. He is, but half, he, half the game he, now. He, sh- he should get tw- he should get 22 shots per game. He mm-hmm. should be like near the top of the NBA in field goal attempts. 16 is not enough. Half the game, he just plays like 90 Sam Perkins. Just runs from three-point line to three-point line and jacks Look, up threes. Dude, and, dude, I mean, that's part of it. Part of it's on him. Yeah. It's true. Part of it's on him for having passive stretches. Like, he should be shooting over 20 times per game. He's so unbelievable offensively. He's not only one of the greatest shooting bigs we've ever had. He's an unbelievable shooter in the league today of, in a league full of great shooters. He's aloof. He's just aloof. He doesn't have Too that. Often. He doesn't have that fight. You know? And that, of course, affects him on defense, yep. too. He's 35th in the NBA in shot attempts per game. 35th behind Jimmy Butler, Tyler Harrow, Reggie Jackson. I mean, come on, dude. Reggie Jackson, DeJounte Murray, De'Aaron Fox. He, sh- he-, he should be shooting more than the guy. OG Ananobi is shooting more than Carl Anthony right. Towns. Uh, la- it doesn't make any sense. Last thing, college basketball is starting tonight. And I got to tell no you, I am, su- Feed him. I am super excited to watch Paolo Banchero because yeah, he's awesome. Uh, you know, all of these people are already voting him as like, you know, newcomer of the year. Everybody's so excited to see him. The kid at 6'10" from duke um he's number one on a lot of draft boards already and so he's one of them there's there's the kid at gonzaga chet holmgren chet holmgren yeah so tall and lanky he's like a good poku seven one uh (laughs) there's the two kids at memphis jalen duran and imani bates who are both yeah. at uh, the University of Memphis. How, how, how are you liking those guys from the scrimmages? Have you watched much of them? Not, I have not watched much of them yet, no, because okay. they played against yeah. – I mean, well, they they didn't uh, – Bates didn't play in the first exhibition game. So yeah. he's only played in the one exhibition game, and that was against uh, – I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching Bates, yeah. seeing how he performs at the college level. Yeah, they're on tonight. Uh, yeah. they're on, I, look I think they're on like ESPN plus or something like that. Anyways, uh, Jabari Smith jr. From Auburn. So there's one to keep an eye on. Um, Patrick Baldwin who's playing for Milwaukee to play for his dad. Um, so he, you don't see that a lot. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of years ago. There was the McDonald's all American. Oh, what was the kid's name that played at, uh, he went to go play for his dad at Detroit, uh, Ray McCallum. Ray McCallum uh, years ago. You usually don't see guys uh, going to uh, the Milwaukee's of the world that are projected lottery picks, but there he is. Uh, there's another kid on Duke, A.J. Griffin. It's very highly uh, thought of. Jaden Ivey at Purdue. Peyton Watson at UCLA. Uh, but, but you, you know, I was scrolling through my buddy Sam Vecini's um, – he put one up on the athletic, his like uh, early draft board before this college season starts. This is much different than the last couple of years. There's like two guys, I think, from like either the Ignite or from uh, overseas, and the rest of the entire lottery, at least going into it, is college basketball players. Yeah. So this should yeah, actually be a-, a great, great year. Yeah, there, there's a handful of, you know, Jaden Hardy from the G League. Yep. He, he could be a top three pick. He, he could, I mean, even be the number one pick. There's a chance of that. Uh, you mentioned overseas, Nikola Jovic. Yeah, Jovic. Jovic, <laughs> Nikola Jovic. Uh, <laughs> he could end up being a top ten pick. But, yeah, there's a handful of non-college players yep. uh, that could end up being lottery picks or first-round picks. But you're right. It's primarily a college basketball season. You know, Ben Caro with Duke, I'm fired up to watch him, man. 
I, I think he I, he's probably number one on my board right now. I haven't done my so you buy it. You buy the hype. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yes. I mean his his level of feel for the game, and I think if you go if you backtrack him in high school, he's improved as a perimeter player every single year. And from the scrimmages for Duke, those preseason games, it, it seems like he's even better now. So I look at him. He's one of those players. He checks every box. He plays, you know, hard for the most part. You know, any young player sometimes the, their effort fluctuates, but he's a competitor, dude. That that guy plays hard. And in addition to being extremely skilled with sky with with size and playmaking ability, scoring ability, rebounding, defense. He plays hard on top of all that. So I'm very excited to see him playing this year for Duke. I can't wait to watch him. That's going to be fun. Yeah, um, he, yeah he, he's going to be fantastic. I'm excited for college basketball to uh, to start tonight. That is for sure. Um, Kevin, I will talk to you on Friday. Thank you, as always, to our producer. This week, Troy Farkas for filling in for us. Uh, we will talk to you on Friday. Chris, we got a little ro- rotating producers I know, right now. I know. You know, a lot, lot, lot of rotation here, but yeah, we'll talk to everybody on Friday.